You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. 6.75 inches long, which is above average. Yeah, because it's huge. And Matty Rose. Scary Terry McFl- McFl- McFlurin. <laughs> McFlurry. Scary Terry McFlurry. Mm, your boy's hungry right now. I love some Oreo by McFlurin. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour 2, Big Show, Russell and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. The head coach and GM of the Calgary Stampeders, Dave Dickinson. Uh, we'll, we'll play some of your text messages courtesy of our... Sportsnet 960, the fan text reading robot text team and Texterson. Uh, Jonathan Huberto being stapled to the bench in the third period made me feel like blank. Jonathan Huberto being stapled to the bench in the third period made me feel like blank. Frank Cron in the 8 o'clock hour, Impossible Flames trivia in the 8 o'clock hour as well. But right now, ESPN senior writer on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Greg Wyshynski. Wish, how are you? Made me feel like he... Couldn't be a minus thirteen on the season. Oh, so okay. To not be a minus thirteen, if he if he's not playing, yep. he can't get it. I mean, I don't know a lot about hockey, but I know you've got to be on the ice to earn a minus. Yes, so, the, like that is uh, completely true. Uh, I want to throw this number your way. Wish six hundred and forty four games left in the Jonathan Huberto contract. <laughs> That's a. I mean, that's a lot of benchings right there. Uh, like, I, I like, I like Huberto a lot as a person. Uh, I enjoy covering him in Florida. I don't know what the hell's happened in Calgary, man. Like the, this was supposed to be a pretty cut and dry situation where you get rid of Sutter uh, and, and, you know, the, the skies open, the sunshine rains down, the beams hit Jonathan Huberto's face and he becomes a point per game player again. And alas, it has not been the case uh, to the point where now he's being benched in the third period. And, and frankly, you know, the results are in and the team responded to seeing one of their highest paid players get stable to the bench last night. So, I mean, I, I, I feel for him. I, I don't know what's kind of gone awry with his game, with his confidence. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's a confluence of a couple of things. One obviously is the fact that they're not happy with his performance, but two obviously is that when you are, are trying to build momentum on a season and, uh, and put a couple, you know, stack a couple of wins on top of each other, it, it's good to keep your team's attention and uh, benching your, you know, big high, high paid player is a pretty good way to keep the team's attention. Um, which I, I saw it on social media last night, uh, the hashtag free Hubie. And you kind of touched on it there a little bit like that. That's just a, a, a tweet from not being in this market and not realizing what the flames have done. Even Elliot talked about it on 32 thoughts. The flames have done everything humanly possible to try to get this guy going. It's not like he's in the dungeon or, you know, they're doing whatever, which they're desperately trying on the right side yeah, this year. Like they're desperately trying to get him going as much as possible. Like this isn't an instance where, you know, he's hard done by, by the flames. In fact, I think for, for people who don't really follow the situation or know what's going on in this market, they have done everything they can to try to get him going, which, and I think that's what the frustration must be the most coming from the organization. Including firing the coach. Yes. Like, you know, if you, if you were looking for like top five reasons, Daryl Sutter's no longer, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, one of them is going to be Jonathan Huberdeau's lack of performance playing for that man in that system. So, I mean, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, like the people that are treating free Hubie, like what do they want him to do? Like trade Hannafin for Barkoff? Like, like, you know, it's like at some point you have to kind of look inward and say to yourself, whatever is not clicking here is is more than partially uh, the responsibility of a player that, for whatever reason, just cannot get back on his game in this in this market. Uh, we've seen it a lot. We've talked about it on this show, and it's 
really fun talk show fodder, podcast stuff even. Um, Huberto for Goudreau right now. Who says no, Wish? Probably Columbus. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, listen, I, here's, here's the, the simple fact about, about, you know, the difference between those two players. And while I, I understand there is a, obviously some wonderful romanticism about getting Goudreau back uh, in a Flames uniform, although I don't think Johnny would share that romanticism <laughs> with any of the Flames fans that would be for this trade. John, Johnny Gaudreau is, is a 40 goal guy. Like Johnny Gaudreau is when he is uh, on his game uh, can be an elite goal scorer in this league. And, and I, I've always found, well, again, while he's, he's, he's a play driver, he's been a 115 point guy. Um, you know, the ceiling for Huberto has been 30 goals and he's only hit that once. So just from the simple aspect of like, what do we value in this league for an offensive player? I value, you know, goal output to the point of you can get 40 out of a guy uh, more than what Huberto brings to the table. So just from that aspect, I wouldn't make the deal on top of the fact that, you know, you're basically imprisoning Gaudreau in a market he really kind of didn't want to be in anymore for the duration of that contract. Do you think that the lack of, you know, ability to play together between Huberto and Lindholm factors into the Flames' decision to try and sign Lindholm long-term, seeing as one of them is already signed long-term? I mean, I, I, I guess so. I mean, I, I'm sure there's, there's always going to be those aspects of, of, of your thinking when you are committing to a player long-term. But, um, I mean, there's, there's a ton of other reasons why he'd want to secure Lindholm long-term beyond, like, the impact on Huberto, I think. Yeah, I, I think it was more of the idea that it's not working so far. And what if you just say, hey, maybe we just move on and we try and get a new number one center in because we're going to have this cap space. And if the team loses this season, then you could trade Lindholm out and try and address that in another way. What I'm getting in a roundabout way here is, do you think that there's a way that if Huberto is not going to move, which I think we've all come to the decision that it's going to be very hard for that to happen. What, how can they address the center position to try and get someone that he can play with? It's a great question, but I mean, like, th- there's two things here that, that are at play. First of all is to circle back to your original thesis, which is, like, they've already done so much for Huberto, and, and oh, and now we're going to make major personnel decisions in service of, 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 of trying to get him going. And then the second thing is, is that you absolutely never know who's going to click and who's not going to click. You know, the greatest example I always bring up is when the Penguins made the Phil Kessel trade, we all thought, oh my God, Sidney Crosby and Phil Kessel on the same line, Phil's going to hit 60. And then they couldn't play together, right? right. And, then, and then he couldn't really play with Malkin. And then when the, when, the, when, the, um, when the Penguins finally win the cup, he's playing on a line with Nick Benino. And when, by the way, that line was incredible. So you, the best laid plans of, of, of chemistry don't always work out. Uh, it's not always Dylan Larkin and Alex Debrinket looking like they've played together since they were four uh, when they're matched together on the same line. It's, it's really hard to kind of like project if you are going to like try to acquire a top, a, a top rate center to get them going, whether that's even going to work. Um, Wish uh, I talked about this before you jumped on. Want to get your opinion on it. The flames and the flames fans have yet to see both Codger and Huberto going at the same time. We haven't seen it yet, and you know we're getting up to ninety-five plus games of those guys in Flames uniforms. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, first of all, because I mean, how many game, how many consecutive games can you say that Huberto has been going? <laughs> and then you know, while Kadri has been a skosh better, 
I, I think that's I think that's definitely right. Is that we've not really seen them both at the peak of their games at the same time. What did you make of the situation in Edmonton with Jack Campbell getting put on waivers yesterday? There's there's a sequence of events that happens when a team is as bad as the Oilers are, and and usually it starts with like a team meeting. I don't know if we've had that yet, and then like if they keep losing, then comes the waiver, the shock waiver move. You always see like a veteran guy drop to the AHL to get everybody's attention, and in this case, it was really shocking because you're basically like cutting the cord on a on a giant free agent goalie that you signed and saying that we can do better with whoever is in the AHL over this guy at this point. Um, and then the next step is, is usually the coach getting fired <laughs> in the timeline of events for a team that's struggling. So, you know, you start to kind of look for those steps along the way, and, and this is a major one. But, again, like, I, it's, the thing I thought about most about the waiver, wavering of Jack Campbell was, like, the totality of Holland's tenure there. This was, this, it's really hard to counterbalance this myth. And he, listen, he's not the only one that thought, okay, Jack Campbell can bring stability to an unstable goaltending situation. Um, maybe people quibbled with the amount of money they spent on the guy, but it was a pretty hot goalie market. And um, I think that Holland's done some really good things otherwise. Like, I think the, the Eckholm thing has been, like, massively praised. I think the Evander Kane thing was a really good move on his part to get him there. And uh, the supporting cast is okay. Um, but you know, the goaltending subverts all of it and, and it's on him that he didn't improve that position during basically his entire tenure in Edmonton. One of the problems I feel like I've started to notice on the Oilers is that maybe this team <clears throat> has given Connor McDavid a little bit too much input on the roster. He was a big proponent of bringing Warren Fogle back. He wanted Connor Brown in the lineup. He wanted Evander Kane. It feels like he's kind of started to run out his welcome in Edmonton already a little bit. Um, a thought on maybe the management having to just get Connor what he what he needs, not necessarily what he wants. I don't know. That's that's. I don't. I can't speak to the inner workings of the Oilers to know how much impact Connor's had on some personnel decisions. I think that he can express his likes and dislikes of things, and and maybe they just happen to align with what Ken Holland wants to do. And you know, post facto, when he praises a move, doesn't necessarily mean he was working the phones to make it happen, you know? So I, I cannot necessarily assign the uh, inmates running the asylum thing quite yet on the Oilers insofar as, like, um, you know, Connor making these moves. If anything, it, it might be management kind of theorizing what would keep their star happy and making those moves for them. ESPN NHL senior writer Greg Wyshynski joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose. 960 the fan. Um, are we going to see a, a Gerard Gallant situation that if the Oilers lose Thursday night in San Jose, that Jay Woodcroft wouldn't be even on the flight back? <laughs> a, I mean, I, I got to imagine he's got a place to crash in San Jose. Okay. He's the coach there. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 if he's not on the plane, I, I assume he's not taking Uber back to, uh, to Alberta. Um, I mean, it's, I think I, you know, that's a, that's a real interesting question that got even more interesting last night because I feel like the the sledgehammer-like impact of giving San Jose their first win would have been maybe too much to handle. But now that we know the Sharks can win a game, mm-hmm. like maybe maybe it's okay if they lose to them on, on Thursday. Of course, that would put them in a, a points tie at the bottom of the NHL standings with San Jose. But, you know, the, the, 
I've been talking to some people around the league about, you know, what could be the possibility there in Edmonton if, uh, if they have to move on from Woodcroft. I think a lot of people think that Glenn Gullitson might get a shot at the, at the head coaching gig there. It's being already on the bench and, and knowing the personnel. I mean, from outside the organization, you mentioned Gallant. He's available. He's a good head, head coach. Uh, he's got history with Ken Holland, obviously, from the Red Wings days. The one that really is intriguing, because I don't think he actually fixes anything that's wrong with the Oilers right now outside of vibes, would be Bruce Boudreau. I mean, like you put him in there and everybody starts, you know, feeling a little bit better about life, just, you know, and not feeling the weight of crushing expectations, uh, you know, pounding you into the ground after every loss. Um, the guy they probably want is Joel Quenville, but I can't imagine there is a scenario in which the NHL even entertains the idea of letting him coach again with that new lawsuit that dropped in Chicago this week. Um, super interesting stuff uh, when it comes to uh, the Edmonton Oilers right now. Do you think there's a chance any way, shape, or form that the Flames and Oilers would get together on a deal? Because you mentioned Ekholm, but outside of Ekholm, that blue line, oh boy, it's thin. It's really thin. And uh, Eric Francis told us yesterday, a scout told him that uh, that blue line looks like a beer league blue line uh, at, at points uh, of the night. Without Ekholm. Uh, without Ekholm on it. Uh, is there a chance in hell that Craig Conroy would even throw them a lifeline and help them out on the blue line wish? No, not at all. This is like, I'm, listen, I'm a, I grew up a Devils fan. The idea of like the Devils being helped out by the Rangers or vice versa at any point is, is alien to me. And I imagine it's the same sentiment. <laughs> In Alberta, but I had a thought though when I was making coffee this morning. Okay. If, still, if, if, if Carter Hart was healthy, and the Philadelphia Flyers came to the Edmonton Oilers and said, "Look, we know, we know you don't have like a lot in the cupboard, right? But you do need a goalie." So, Evan Bouchard for Carter Hart, and maybe throw in a draft pick somewhere. Like, would would you do that if you were Edmonton? Would you do that if you were Philly? I, if Tyson Berry was still at Edmonton, I'd say yes, but. I don't know if I want Darnell Nurse hanging out on power play number one with all those superstars. But so counterpoint, but, you and I could hang out on that power play. Yeah, all those I, it's I pretty know. good for us. Like that's the thing. Like you could like like you could find another Tyson Berry to to basically play that role. The the issue for me with Bouchard is like the regression is so sharp as far as his defensive game. I know maybe it's just young defensemanitis, mm. but my God, like it, it's glaring. It's glaring when he's out there. And, and, you know, they make, I guess I, I, was it Francis said the beer league comment. I mean, like when yeah. I, when I close my eyes and picture that, I, that ideal, it's Evan Bouchard haplessly pirouetting in his own end. Like I, while guys, you know, gas him on a two on one. <laughs> so it's mm. like, I, I, I thought about it this morning. Obviously Carter Hart, you know, is, is an ideal candidate to take over the crease at Edmonton. You're going to have to give to get. He's probably the most valuable young player they have on the roster. And I thought to myself, I wonder if there's a, there's a love connection there to be made. You know what the trade that happens after that is? It's a six-rounder or a fifth-rounder to bring in Eric Gustafson. There you go. Absolutely. Why not? Wherever he's you know, playing or, right or, now. Or, yeah, yeah I, or go call up uh, you know, Iserman and be like, hey, you know. Yeah. When the Red Wings fall out of contention, give us Goss to spare for a seven. Yeah. You, know, you can find guys that can play that role, can't you? Yeah, just go get a power play merchant. That's fine. Uh, hey, you came on our show and you told us three teams that were going to be good, and, and we kind of hmm did a little bit of a, a questionable glare. Uh, two of them have been pretty spot on. Got to give you your flowers, Vancouver Wish. We got to give you your flowers so far. You absolutely nailed the Canucks. The Coyotes have been very impressive to start. 
I do feel like the Predators are a UC Saros injury away from being a lottery team, but the other two totally nailed it. And just a thought on what the Canucks are doing. Is this exactly what you thought they would be doing? Well, my, my thought is that I want to thank you guys because I've got a lot of mileage out of that anecdote about going on Calgary Radio and then treating me like I was psychotic for saying that the Canucks were going to finish it. <laughs> it might have been a regional thing. I don't know. It's what it is. <laughs> No, but no, I listen, I, I obviously didn't know they'd be this machine like. Um, but you know, the the if everybody was healthy, the pieces were there for them to get off to this kind of start. I really I think I said it on the show that I liked the idea that Tockett was gonna have a full run with this team, you know, preseason and then the beginning of this season and, and right on from the start he's been pushing the right buttons. He called them soft three games into the season. You know, he's benching people during winning streaks. Like he's he's doing everything he can right now to kind of get their attention and get them to play the right way. And and then when you have the kind of season you're getting out of Quinn Hughes, which has, uh, we did our NHL awards watch on Monday. It was like littered with Canucks, but especially Quinn, like Quinn's got a massive lead for the Norris right now amongst the people that vote for the award. And, and it's kind of amazing to think how the season started with people being like, it's Miro Heiskanen's year. And then Quinn Hughes was like, I'm going to market correct you pretty quick. <laughs> and now it's like the Quinn Hughes party. Like, I, I thought they had the potential to be really good. I certainly didn't think they'd be this good. And then, you know, Arizona was one, like I said, they did just, I like, I like the, the additions they made in the offseason to kind of bolster the offense, Jersey especially. The younger players have obviously been great. Cooley's been incredible on, on special teams. And they've always had pretty decent goaltending. So I, that, one, that one was one I was pretty confident. They'd, be, they'd, be, they'd outkick their coverage a little bit, but I certainly didn't think the Canucks would be, you know, as dominant as they've been. But, but again, I, I also didn't look at the schedule to see they play the Oilers three times. I should have probably been smarter about that, too. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you didn't pick that one up. A thought on your Devils. Luke Hughes takes that big hit yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my God. Stayed in the game. Those Hughes boys taking a bit of a wallop lately. I don't know what the hell Colton was thinking on that hit. My God. I, was... I, I, don't, I didn't see if there was any player safety emails this morning, uh, or maybe because Hughes stayed in the game, there won't be. But that was that was egregious. Um well, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna be what they are until they're healthy. I, I was, you know, happy to see them get a win in Chicago after losing Hughes in the St. Louis game, Jack Hughes rather, um, because they're gonna have to kind of like maintain, pick up points, keep pace while they're waiting for not only Hughes but Nico Heischer to come back. I mean, like that's maybe the underreported thing is that while Jack Hughes is out of the lineup, they're also missing, missing their second best center in Nico Heischer to uh, to a concussion. I think it is. So, you know, they're they're gonna have to just kind of maintain, manage, work through it. And then when they're healthy again, kind of figure things out a little bit at five on five, they've been feasting on the power play. Um, you know, it's kind of fueled their, their games, fueled their offense. That's not a bad thing. It's a bad thing. If you, if that happens uh, all through the season and then the playoffs start and you don't get power plays anymore, but you know, as, as Edmonton fans know, for example, like your power play can carry you and that's okay. Um, but they, you, they do have to get a little bit better at five on five when Hughes and Heischer are back, and, and I imagine they will. They were they were sort of trending that way anyway. Um, you told us uh, again. This is uh, give wishes flowers. Uh, you told us, hey, put some money down on Jack Hughes for the Hart Trophy. Can I give you a dark horse one with some value on it right now? Sure. What about Nikita Kucherov? Yeah, you know, I, definitely. First of all, definitely. I, I think what what the Lightning are doing is something that I. I should have probably seen. I, I, I picked them to miss the playoffs, and I picked them to miss the playoffs because they didn't like the supporting cast, but that was obviously ignoring the fact they've got like five guys that could carry them to the cup final, uh, and, and Kucherov's certainly one of them. He's been fantastic. 
the one I'm, the awards play I'm interested in there, and he he hasn't gotten any any play yet uh, amongst the voters, as far as I can tell. And he's certainly going to be behind guys like Tockett and probably Jim Montgomery and probably Bruce Cassidy. Is John Cooper like mm. Coop? Coop has kind of kept this thing together. He's 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 leading them through a, a, a time where they don't have Vasilevsky and and they're in a playoff spot right now. I mean, this is a guy who has not necessarily been in the Jack Adams conversation as often as he should be because he's got the curse of having incredible talent on his roster. He's kind of got that, like, you know, Pat Riley, Phil Jackson problem of, like, how good's the coach really when he has this assemblage of talent on the roster. Um, but he's done a hell of a job early on with this team. And, uh, and I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be delighted to see him get credit for it. But, but again, he, there's a lot of people in front of him right now like in line for the Jack already this season. Yeah, let's not forget, he's Team Canada's head coach whenever they have an international competition, wherever the hell that will be, named before the pandemic. Well, uh, well then, then he'll have a good experience of trying to coach a team without any good goaltending. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a pretty good wish. Hey, Wish, uh, if, you're, if you're feeling sad, go watch the O2 gold medal game in Salt Lake with Joe Sackick <laughs> if you're feeling a little down. And then watch the part uh, where they dig it, out the it, loony it, out of the ice. That was a good, that was a good just, game. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll spend my time using the back of a cocktail napkin to figure out who uh, Matthews and Eichler are going to play with. <laughs> Pretty good. You also could have threw, oh, I'm just going to go watch Brett Hall's high stick in the 96 World Cup and Brett Hall's Canadian oh scored God. the winning goal. What, 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 what am I, Jeff Merrick? I'm going back to the 90s now for, for references. I like it. Uh, wish, great stuff. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Anytime. Uh, there's Greg Wyshynski, ESPN senior writer in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Straight ahead. The head coach and general manager. Uh, I hate. You got to talk to Dave after the Stampeder season's over. It's tough. It's tough. It sucks. We'll talk to him next. Uh, and then the uh, big show Flames analyst. I like how he's got like a big shiny title now. Brent Cron in studio. And we have a surprise for him at 830. And we're playing Impossible Flames trivia, which might be the most impossible one ever. Yeah. Even I'm like. Even I was disgusted with oh, myself with today's okay. edition. Patrick knows. Patrick, Excellent. I'm disgusted with myself. Great news. Oh. Good luck. Yeah. Also, 960, 960, so name and location. We're going to play some of your text messages to wrap up this hour. Uh, Jonathan Huberto being stapled to the bench in the third period made me feel like blank. 960, 960, name and location. Busy big show. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Your text messages to wrap up the 7 o'clock hour. Watching Jonathan Huberto being stable to the bench in the third period made me feel like blank. 960, 960, name and location. Big show Flames analyst Brent Cron in studio for the 8 o'clock hour. We got a surprise for him at 8.30. And also, we're playing Impossible Flames Trivia. But right now in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, he is the head coach and general manager of your Calgary Stampeders. We say good morning to Dave Dickinson. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm doing all right. You guys? Uh, Dave, um, what, at what point, obviously, tough loss Saturday uh, against the Lions. At what point does that stop stinging? Like, is it all off season? Is it pretty much right after? Like, how do you deal with the season coming in an end so abruptly? How do you deal with it? You know, emotionally, Dave, because you're such a consummate professional and you won so much in this league. How do you deal with a, a disappointing loss like it was Saturday in BC? Well, each year's different. Um, this year was uh, certainly a rough year on us, but uh, still had a lot of we had a lot of belief that we could go in there and win that game. So, um, still hurt, uh, but it was a different year, and 
Um, the, the weird thing, like you said, is the guys, we kind of had a wrap up party yesterday just to kind of, you know, just be an informal, just talk and get away from the office and the field. And, you know, it's, it felt like a pretty tight group. We just, uh, unfortunately didn't win enough games. Uh, when you're on that flight home, are you already thinking about next season? Is, is that, is that how your mind works? Um, no, you're usually thinking about the game. In fact, I like to watch it on the, on the plane just because it's just, I feel like it's, it's almost like I got I got to see what went right and what went wrong. And just otherwise I don't sleep well. So for me, it's no, it's uh you know, you, you feel the realization, especially when the guys come on the plane, you know, that group won't be together. Uh, again, you just hopefully get quite a few back, but you just know it's going to be different. That, that's always tough. Um, is, is that, is that performance by Vernon Adams on Saturday? Is that what makes the CFL special that sometimes uh, a quarterback can single-handedly just be so dynamic that can just propel a team to victory. And maybe that's what we saw on Saturday. Well, he had a good game. Um, he he really, I mean, the thing is he did it with his legs and his arms. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was one of those that we felt like, uh, as the game went on, we were like, man, we got to find a way to get turnovers. You know, we have to reel them back in, somehow get stops, and uh, it really didn't happen. So a lot of fight from our guys. But Vernon played really well, and, you know, if he continues doing that, he's when he's when he's on, he's, he's as good as anybody in our league, for sure. Coach, it was the second outing for Jake Mayer in the CFL playoffs. Did you see some improvements from the playoff game last year? I did. I thought he... Uh, thought he played one of his better games of the season. Uh, he moved around better than he had all year and made throws, uh, off-schedule throws, we call them. And, uh, it was a tough environment, too. It was loud. And, uh, you know, when you're playing from behind, too, it's also tough because they're pretty much playing for the pass. So, um, you know, for him, I think he took positive strides in that game. And it's not going to make him feel any better, though. It's still a team loss. And that, that's what uh, all of us, uh, we understand this team game and we have to find ways to win. Coach, how much different would this have been if you'd been able to get out to a lead and maybe utilize that run game a little different? Well, we did get out to a lead, but it didn't last very long. Yeah. Um, we had a great first drive. Uh, every day we, we called hit and uh, felt like, uh, you know, it was exactly what we wanted. And then uh, D stopped him as well. And then we, we ended up throwing interception on the next one. It was a kind of not miscommunication, but it was, you know, quarterback and receiver, just not, not quite on the same page. And, and at that point, they went down and took it in. And who knows? But it, we we used our run game well. We had we had a, a good production on the run game, a good production on the play action pass. We we pretty much offensively, um, I like to say, we called everything we had in our in our repertoire. We we basically put it all out there. It just wasn't enough. Uh, Jake is going to be one of the players who is uh, signed for next year. Is now. You got to put your general manager hat on. How have things kind of changed for you over the last little week here? As uh, you know, it's a little bit of a different role for you. you. Did it last season as the general manager, but this is a little different. Yeah, different. I mean, lots of free agents again this year. Um, and, you know, and you have to really try to be honest with uh, you know who, who who deserves those contracts. And if you don't give your players those contracts, who are you getting? And uh, and Sometimes, you know, you can say, I'd like to get this guy, but he may not want to, you know, it takes two to tango. He may not want to sign that deal. So, um, yeah, no, it's going to be different, but we do have some time and, and uh, we've really got to take a deep dive into everything uh, in our organization and make sure we're, 
trying to find uh, you know some new ways to to get production and, and get this thing back on going in the right direction. I wanted to ask you about your receivers because I believe you're expecting a lot of them to be back, including the Americans, Reggie Bangleton, Malik Henry. I believe Mark and Michelle expected to be back as well this year. Uh, is that something that you're seeing as a positive for Jake Mayer here? Because he talked about in his end of season availability, having more resources available and being able to communicate with his guys a lot more in the off season. It's just that much easier when he already knows some of the guys that are going to be back for the next season. Yeah, that's probably the area of our team that we're the deepest at. Um, you know, it's it's maybe hard to keep them all anyway, though. We'll have to see how it fits into the cap. But we, we do feel comfortable that our guys are – that group is, is under contract. You know, Malik Henry should be back and then be good. Jalen Philpott should be back, be mm-hmm. good. Clark Barnes should be back, should be good. Those are three guys that were hurt at the end of the year. And I still thought our receiving core did a pretty good job. So we got a few free agents um, more on the Canadian side of it. And then uh, always try to bring in new talent, too, always, because, you know, we say everything at – uh, we're good. We're we're good going elsewhere, but it's always still the right thing to do is just keep trying to find the best players, bring in competition, and and, and let it figure itself out from there. Your running back room, all three of the players headed to free agency or set to become free agents. If you're unable to resign them before free agency opens, uh, how are you thinking about your running back room going into the off season here, as far as approaching next season? Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting room. I mean, we'll we'll get together with the, all the guys that are coming back, and and uh, uh, one of the big losses will be Charlie Power. Um, you know, Charlie's gonna retire, and uh, I just want to make sure he understands he's a great Stampeder, a great person. Uh, we'll miss him, uh, but the other than that, everyone else is pretty much a free agent. So, you know, part of that, you know, Peyton uh, was injured. We'll have to make sure he's healthy, and we'll support him on that, and. See where our return game goes, because I mean that that's a big part of the running back room too, is being part of the return game. So, uh, you know, I, I like our options. I like all the guys. Um, see what happens as we get down the road here. Wanted to ask you about Rene Paradis. You talked about him uh, at the end of the season. Uh, he needs shoulder surgery, but he's hopeful to come back for next year. Uh, just tell us about what that conversation was like. Were you surprised that he wants to come back for another season? Uh, we kind of we kind of were crossing that bridge as the season was going on, and you know, I don't want to say that anybody was uh, shouldn't be a little bit surprised, but I, I felt good about it, and I felt like it was going to happen. And for him on his surgery wise, yeah, I mean that that is something that's interesting. I mean, it's a kicker that has to go in and get his shoulder done, and he has to just make sure he rehabs hard and gets himself in the best shape possible. And you know, you you don't usually get your kicker hurt too often, but he really did. I would say like he cowboyed up and and did the things he had to do to to kick and still be effective with a a tear in his shoulder that needs to be fixed. So once again, another uh, feather in his cap. He really has done a nice job. Is there anybody else that is kind of let you know that, hey, this might be the the end of the road here? Obviously, Charlie Power, we had a chance to talk to him and and talk to him about his recovery back from that Achilles injury. But anything else come to mind that some guys maybe told you this might be it for my career? Uh, not at this stage, but you, um, you know, you always, you always try to talk to everybody, but it's hard. I mean, first off, it's so fresh, it's so fresh. It really is. So we have to try to get a feel for everybody, be honest, but we really don't have the, the end all plan. It's not like we have a crystal ball right now to see where everyone's going. So we will, uh, we'll certainly try to figure that out as it goes forward. 
Um, Dave wanted to ask you now that uh, your you know season is over. How closely do you watch the remainder of the Canadian Football League playoffs? Um, I mean, not as close probably as I should. <laughs> I I don't like to. Uh, I will be at a Grey Cup week, but I'm not necessarily gonna uh, watch the game. I watch the game. I do. I don't watch all the games to be honest. I just don't analyze them maybe in the same mode as I would in other areas. But some good football teams, and I think honestly they. All four could win it. Um, the home teams always have the big advantage, and I guess we'll just kind of see how it goes from there. Uh, Dave, um, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you all season. Um, let's have you on when the NFL playoffs are on. We'd love to hear uh, your analysis, um, what you think of what's going on, because uh, I know you've talked about it. Uh, you definitely watch uh, the NFL. Uh, at least, I don't know, it's not really a positive, but how's your fantasy football team doing now? Now you can put all your energy towards that, Dave. It's almost playoff time. How's your fantasy team? Like, are you on the waiver wire? What's going on with your fantasy football team right now? No, I think I struggled on the waiver wire. I think all these other guys are on top of it a little more than me, but hanging in there, got a solid six and three record. So, okay. You know, all right. You never, you never know. Maybe that'll be the one positive of this uh, <laughs> uh, football season here. But no, that's been. I do it more as a hobby, and it's fun, like you guys too, and uh, don't get too wrapped up in it. But certainly, still tracking. Be happy to get on and, and check some NFL games out with you guys, and be great, and uh, stay in touch. Uh, Dave, just one more from me here. Just like, I know it's the off season now, obviously a little bit uh, earlier than you you want it to be. But do you do you uh, get down to Montana to watch the Grizzlies uh, every so now every now and then? I mean, they got the they got the brawl in the wild there against Montana State on the 18th. That's a big one. Do you, but how much do you you do you pay attention to to your alumni and your, your old school i watch it i and i i mean this year crazy was uh, the grizz played idaho on uh on tsn one time yes it was, on, it was actually on tsn which is crazy that usually doesn't happen for small schools mm-hmm. definitely watch montana state in montana and i even i even tracked the high school down there just because that's where i'm from and that's I just like to follow football. So um, they've been doing both. They've been doing excellent. And, you know, that, that level of, of competition and, and level of player does seems to fit in perfectly up here in Seattle. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a heck, of a, a heck of a go. That The second level in college football to me is pretty exciting because, you know, you're not playing for, you know, you're actually playing for a championship versus uh, maybe just trying to get to a bowl game or make money. And those kids aren't really – like my looking back to that's one of the greatest memories of my life is actually finishing with a championship and Mm -hmm. the first one in our school's history. So I track it big time and uh, enjoy watching it. Don't get uh, my feelings hurt too much if it doesn't go the Grizz way, but certainly Mm -hmm. still involved with their coaching staff and, and still try to follow it as much as I can. Uh, Dave, we definitely appreciate how gracious you've been with your time uh, this entire season. Um, Enjoy the offseason, and again, uh, we'll catch up during the NFL playoffs with you. Thanks again. Okay, thanks, guys. All the best. There he is, uh, the head coach and general manager of the Calgary Stampeders, Dave Dickinson on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. His Grizzlies are only, uh, they've only outscored their opposition. Let me check. They're hell of a team. Uh, 74-7 in their last two games. Yeah, good. College football, baby. They are one of the best uh, FCS programs been have, have been since Dave won that national title back in 95, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I love watching the Montana Grizzlies too. Um, again, I I don't watch college football. I'll watch you know the the playoffs and then the national championship mm-hmm. game. The thing about college football that that bothers me is just the lack of defense on some of these games. Like they just can't stop 
the superior offensive players, and it's hard for me to oh, watch. Yeah. Like when they when they put up like an eighty burger on a team, I'm like, that's not fun to watch. Oh, well, Nick like, Saban said it this past week when they played LSU. Good offense will always be good defense. Yeah, in in college football, yeah, it's a lot different in the National Football mm-hmm. League. But uh, when it comes to college football, but again, yeah, uh, enormous uh, viewership numbers. College football continues to be an absolute juggernaut uh, down south. Okay. Um, biggest story in the hockey world today is Jonathan Huberto being benched in the third period. That's not only in this market, it'll be around the NHL that that guy, a superstar player making North of 10 Schmill, uh, got stable to the bench last night by Ryan Huska in the flames four two win, which is overshadowing what they did last night. Gutsy come from behind win against a predators team and a goaltender who's had their number throughout his NHL career. But the flames fought hard three consecutive games where the team has played well, probably should have beat the Dallas stars too in that game that they lost to the stars, but three really rock solid efforts by the Calgary flames winners of two straight. But of course, the biggest story today, and Brent Cron's going to weigh in on it coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, too, is Jonathan Huberto being stapled to the bench in the third period. We've asked you on our text line at 960-960, name and location. Jonathan Huberto being stapled to the bench made me feel like blank. Jonathan Huberto being stapled to the bench made me feel like blank. I felt for the guy. I was like, ugh. No good, especially when he was just like bending over and just hunched over. And you can feel how much that was hurting him because he's such a competitor. It just made me a little sick to my stomach, Matty Rose. I felt I felt for the guy. Yeah, that's I think the human element do. kicked in. Yeah, there's this is it's it's not like one of the players that have had some sort of off the ice issue that you don't that makes it very hard to cheer for. This is one of those guys that has been pretty endearing. Every time that he's in front of a mic or we've had a chance to chat with him off mic or anything like that. So, yeah, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch because you feel for the player. It's hard to watch because you understand that the Flames are saddled with this for a very long time. It's uh, hard to watch because it's 644 no more games. To the bit. It's hard to because I just it's there's so many things here with him that just give you so a many pit layers in the to stomach. Yeah. He, the turnovers are bad. He can't play with anybody. He's like, it's just the list goes on. The, 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 just watching his body language and lack of confidence just shines through. Like the frustration on his face, even last night, snapping his head back, looking up to the sky after an errant pass, just like tough times for Jonathan Huberto. Um, well, yeah. And, and, once again, like it's putting your head up and looking at the ceiling, but it's not like you made a marvelous play and someone else did. Like they're right. pretty low percentage plays that he's making. Yeah. And he's typically a pretty high risk, high reward player, but the rewards have been few and far between. Close to nil. Yeah. Um, we've been asking you on the text line 960, 960 name and location. Of course, our Sportsnet 960, the fan texturing robot is Texty McTexterson, and he joins us with your Jonathan Huberto. Texts. Wedley in Bridalwood. Of course. Seeing Hug be stapled to the bench made feel sad, like that time on Saved by the Bell where Kelly dumped Zach for the older Patrick Muldoon. Yeah, that was a tough one. <laughs> and they broke up at the prom. Yeah. Oh. But then they got together. Oh, oh it all. They got all back together. It all ended up nice. I it was worried. Nice. Yeah. Um, Peter from Bridgeland. 
seeing Huberto benched made me feel like I won the publisher's clearinghouse <laughs> jackpot and the sky was lit with rainbows. Okay. He hasn't earned the right to be cutesy with those passes. He needs to build confidence by grinding and getting gritty and making solid plays. Mm. You're a flame, not a panther. Uh, I like I like that. I don't think any of you guys get the publisher's clearinghouse reference. Do oh, you? I get that. Yeah, do you get it. They used to come to the door and like, hey, you win a million. But you'd have to like you'd mail. You'd have mail. to mail these yeah. things out, and then they'd randomly come they to your door with like a giant balloons. check camera. that you won the yeah. publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. Hmm. Yeah. No, I don't remember. American All right. Thing. Keep going. Way before we had the pierogi guys that came door to door when I was a kid. That's what? Nice. Yeah. There was a truck that came around. Frozen pierogies. Yes. What did they just give you? Frozen pierogies? They sell them. I don't know. Give oh. that's it was you gotta a, make profit. It's a business, <laughs> yeah. George. Okay, what's this guy? Oh. Well, publisher's clearing house, you won a jackpot. They just come and you got like you know a year subscription to like Time Magazine, everything, yeah. and then you, you win the publisher's clearing house sweepstakes. I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Sounds like a scam. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> Jeremy in Cochrane. Huberto being stapled to the bench in the third period made me think there may be a god after all. Oh, Jeremy, come on. Jeremy, <laughs> don't take joy in Huberto's misery like that. Words hurt sometimes. Yes, they do. They do. <laughs> they absolutely do. He's a nice boy. Sticks he is. And, and again, this isn't bones. hashtag free Hubie. They've done everything humanly possible to get this guy going. And still it's like, oh, my God, be you. <laughs> Flames fans are like, yeah. Be you. Yeah. Listen, the jail cell is open. You can be free. Yeah. Get you just I, gotta what? I, <laughs> are they holding him against his will? I don't. Ah. Well, it's free Hubie. Yeah. So I imagine that imagine that he's somewhere trapped. So now okay. the jail cell's open. So I don't know. All right. Listen, the kid has not been sharp no, today. That's no, okay. Colin in the core. Seeing Johnny Huberto stapled to the bench last night made me feel like he knows the helplessness Dr. Richard Kimball felt as the one-armed assailant who murdered his wife Helen, got away and Kimball became the prime suspect of Deputy U.S. Marshal Samuel Gerard. Mm -hmm. Thank you. What? Wow. Wedley? <laughs> and who was that? That's Colin. Colin, like, really hitting us up on our uh, Saved by the Bell. I was just thinking, like, I haven't heard Provasic in Provasic. I've been feeling good lately and haven't had a headache, so I haven't watch, had to reach for some Provasic. Give the fugitive my usual four-month run here. Listen, I can be the Travis Kelsey of the show and and pimp anything Devlin McGregor selling. <laughs> like, I can Mr. absolutely Pfizer. do that. I can, I can definitely do that, although I wouldn't. Jeff in Legacy, seeing Jonathan Huberto stapled to the bench in the third period made me feel like the Oilers' goaltending, sad and disappointing. <laughs> Too bad. It's so sad. Yeah, but even Oilers fans last night must have been quietly going, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. But, but then they can look at their roster and go, oh, God, look at these contracts. And they're also quiet because they're like, well, we suck right now. on Thursday. Please. They're nervous. Oh, I think they are. How nervous they're, are they? They lose. They're in the Celebrini sweepstakes. When was the last time Ooh. Calvin Picard played an NHL game? I don't know. Picard. Picard. Um, but Picard. again, like. Think about Celebrini playing with McDavid and Drysaddle. In the words of Frank Costanza, now you got a team. All right, keep going. Oh, Kyle from Airdrie. Huberto being stapled to the bench reminded me of back in high school flushing my weed when I thought the cops were outside. <laughs> Big waste of money. That's, okay. That's fair. All right. That's fair. 
All right, one more. I have no idea what that's like, by the way. Okay, one yeah. more. We lived in a legal land. <laughs> Matty uh, grew up a drug mule. He'll die a drug mule. Right. Sorry, oh, what? Let's, okay, all right. See, just, I don't know. If we uh, needed to do the, that. Uh, the uh, Big Show Flames analyst. He has a shiny title. He does. Calgary Flames sporting legend. Calgary sports legend. Frank Ron in studio next. We'll play Impossible Flames trivia, and uh, we'll do that at around eight forty-five ish. I wonder the if the show. Oilers called him. Oh. Uh, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan.